we'll, we'll have some dead air to start the podcast. Sometimes you just don't know what to say. You know, it's been a How about we accidentally started season two without us knowing? Hey, you know? Just, that feels like a small accomplishment. It's some, you know, things just kind of happen. Hey, just going to let things ride their, their own way. Keep it rolling. Okay, so since we didn't talk about that we're now in season two until the night we released the last episode. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, what has been... I'm trying to think of a, a good... Uh, a good retro question about season one. Mm. Uh, some, something you learned or a specific part of season one you enjoyed? <clears throat> wow. I have enjoyed evolving this podcast because like we used to like put so much prep work into an episode and there was like so much pressure to perform and feel like kind of scripted and like narrate it but like it never really felt like the style that either of us preferred like we like this is what we want to do and then like it was fun but like there was almost like too much like we were putting like the idea of like not roaming like we were confining a thing that was birthed in confinement yeah or like rebirthing it because you had already started it so I liked that like we kind of just opened it up to like kind of like free format and with that like there's just been a lot of good feedback that people are liking the episode one of our episodes almost has a hundred streams and like we didn't even promote it. We're just like here doing it, like having fun. Like, I think it's just like one of those things where you kind of like look back, you feel accomplished. Like there was a time of uncertainty. We chose to be productive with it and like learn something new or like learn from others and do new things. And like we, we did the damn thing. So that's one thing I've really loved. The thing that I found, one thing that I found really interesting was the overall, like, I think just like when we get like down into some of like the nitty gritty topics, like I nothing one thing's like calls out, but like I feel like there's nights after we record where I like walk away realizing or potentially like feeling like I walked away that I learned something and unexpectedly because I think like we just don't always know what the topics are going to be and like people have just like kind of enjoyed that aspect of it and so then there's like nights where you're like I have something I want to tell you or there'll be nights where I'm like I have something I have to talk about and it just like you get this chance to like educate somebody and like there's definitely things that we have different views on and there's definitely things that we like have similar views on so it's always nice when we can like we debate respectfully in a place where like neither one of us are going to be like oh, because you don't agree with me, like, uh, we're going to both, like, part ways. Right. But, like, fundamentally, we respect that, like, that's, like, a unique part of, like, where we live, the, the freedoms that we have, and, like, something that we both um, are, like, very grateful for. So, love the space. 
Love the evolution. Love you. Your turn. Gotcha. I think uh, <laughs> for me, I think just one, I've always viewed like when I originally started it, I was, it was more, this has never been like, I have zero desire to be a professional podcaster and make money like being a talking head. And so it's always been like the first time I did it, it was uh, like, okay, podcasting is this like interesting medium. I learned about podcasting. Like how do I do like social media marketing for a podcast? Like, right. Just kind of like trying something and learning. Um, and then this time it was like, we're bored. Let's do something creative. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's always fun to have like a project to work on. And then that evolution of like, when we first started, it was like, we were, I think we took it too seriously. We were like, we took it as seriously. Like we were going to try and like monetize and be like professional podcast. Right. Um, and so just making this much lighter is, is fun because one, I think like one, it's just fun to have like real interesting conversations every week that aren't based around like not that aren't solely based on like, guess what so-and-so said on Instagram this week, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's there's actual depth to these conversations, which is, which is really nice and was really nice when uh, we were locked down for weeks at a time. Um, And then, so for me, it's just been like, I've seen like personal growth and my ability to talk through ideas and uh, talk out like, complex situations and ideas and nuanced takes um which is i think good for everyone to do um but it's it's like it's helped me in my job being able to like present to clients and things like that so uh it's just a a fun a fun thing no pressure just like i don't know that's yeah it's just fun i agree and like we're like there's something about like spending like Tuesday nights to like record for like a potential launch on Thursday or Friday. But like really like we've been flexible about like when we do it, how we do it, how long is it gonna be, like what do we have to bring to the table that week? So like the really has the mold has been completely thrown out and it's just kind of been like a nice time for us to catch up and people wanna listen. And that's cool. Yeah, and like, and I, I especially enjoy like, we record what like, an hour, hour and a half, hour forty five minutes, but sometimes we're on a Zoom call for four hours. Dude, that does happen. Right, and that's just like, that's just fun because, it's you don't want it to be like, oh, like we gotta we gotta record this because blah blah blah, right? Like it's just like this is actually part of like the things that we talk about as friends and as mm-hmm. people. And there's other people that we know that listen to it and respect our takes and like the dynamic we, between us and the differing perspectives. And that's awesome. Um, I think it's really cool too when like people that I know that I just like see out or like, Hey, like I listened to this, like that was really cool. Like blah, 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 whatever. Like, right. It allows you to get past small talk when there's people mm-hmm. listen to it and you don't have to be like, 
so blah 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 like you can just kind of get into like a real conversation with people which is nice because i am bad and dislike small talk i find it boring so (laughs) no it is good time especially just because like even even like just like a fun thing like because we live so far away like it's cool to just like be able to connect weekly and like catch up and sometimes we have four hours worth of catching up to do and it's fun part is it's like strategic talk it's not like blah 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 it's like okay like these are things that i'm moving on in my life these are professional goals and like oh have you read this have you read this like oh i gotta show you this clip really quick and it's like always a fun like when you have some one in your life that you can bounce like literally any idea off of and they have they always have an opinion not even if it's in their realm of like scope so very cool very cool very fun um and who knows one like one week we just we'll be done and it'll just never come out again yeah and it just will be like hey we both have really crazy jobs that are like really awesome and yeah. or it'll move to like a monthly thing where it's like once a month something comes out once a year once an anniversary a episode a yearly <laughs> a yearly recap <laughs> and I think 365 and 365 <laughs> 300 so one episode a year and that episode is 365 minutes long that'd be wild how long is that how long is 365 minutes well 365. It's like six hours. Six hours and five minutes. I'm doable. That's that's long. I think we'd have to have a person. We've definitely done six hours of conversation, just like never recorded that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe it's just like a compilation of a whole bunch of things. We should get the, the, the crew from the White House together. We could do six hours. Let's talk about the White House. Well, I was talking about the White House that I lived in in college, not... Oh, dang it. I'm transitioning. That's, yep, that's great. Just, clar- just clarify. I, don't, like, I have zero things to say that anyone who is currently or will potentially be in the future in the White House. Yes. Zero desire to talk to any of them. Goodbye. They don't even know that they live in the White House, even if they are listening to this and live in the White House. <laughs> I thought, that was a, I thought that was a Joe Biden cognitive decline joke. Uh, it could be, <laughs> depending on how you want to approach that statement. Okay. Did Politico know that Kamala was the VP? About this last week. Two weeks ago. I think, well, I brought it up last week, but I think they had done it before that. So maybe we were like looking at it a week and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah, they knew. Yeah. There's no way. Like, it. These things. Like, are- there was zero surprise today when the. And I think actually the only surprise was that it came out today because really it was supposed to come out like last week and then there was no date thrown out. And then there was like. I mean, just like in true Joe Biden form, like this, that, there, and the other, we were like, he's taking his time. It's a very important decision. I'm like, actually, he just like doesn't, like he can't make a decision. So like, or I don't know, it just like feels like a very flimsy moment. Like you just like make a choice, stick by the date. Like the fact that he kept moving the date just felt very like flimsy to me, but. 
Kamala Harris. Uh, I can't remember exactly what I said about her being a choice last week. There's different, there's very, there's um, various issues that I think she's going to face as the, nom the VP nominee, but in terms of a Joe Biden strategy move, it was the right one for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actively disassociating myself with any political happenings. Um, this was like, this is unavoidable news, but right. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't really care, honestly. Um, like I said, like Axios, uh, had their little blurb on it and it was like, it was like quotes from Joe Biden and it really, like I really just hit me that I think most people don't give a shit who the president is. They just want a president who reads the scripts that are provided to them that are um, supported by the party and toe the party line, shut up and just shut up and toe the line. And that's it. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, you know, I said this once and I said, this, but I'll say it again. It's just the largest student council race that we've known ever. And I think there's, you know, we've explored a lot of different ways that like the government doesn't always operate the way you think it, or you were told it was, and that's how you believe. You don't necessarily have foundational proof. You only know what you were told, which is no fault to you. But the reality is there's so many complexities behind this position in terms of like how the government actually operates that I think people are at this point regardless of how they think like the president stands whether it's reading a script or whatever not like people are coming together to actively avoid another four years of trump and i think that's the only like goal at this point it's not like let's get a like a strong candidate because clearly we have what we have and it's just like remove trump like that's the only uh binding argument that I see. Yeah, a, a, um, a quote from, I'm pretty sure it was the All In Podcast. Um, I don't remember who said it, but All In Podcast is great, highly recommended. Uh, but it was like, a, a vote for Biden isn't a vote for Biden, it's a vote against Trump. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perfectly put. Right? right, like, and so, in the, it, we, We've gone so fucking crazy in this country that people on the left think that if you vote red, that you're a white supremacist racist who like wants the KKK to be roaming the streets. And on the right, it's if you vote blue, it's like you're a Marxist pedophile who is, you know, Pizzagate, Hollywood, sex rings, whatever, right? And so it's just it's just stupid it's just yeah stupid. no matter who you talk to regardless of like their opinion if you're not on your side you're immediately against them they've people have lost all viewpoints of like the majority of people who just fall directly in the middle who are kind of like who generally make up a large portion of the votes who generally potentially either go back and forth between different candidates because honestly, 
as granular as we want to get, the way people voted in the past wasn't necessarily like on specific issues. Like, what are you going to do for like healthcare? What are you going to do for this? What are you going to do for this? What are you going to do for this? Like having a plan for A through Z, it was like people listening to a candidate and did they agree with what they were hearing? And then their vote like reflecting that. Now it's become so granular. Everything's under a microscope. Everything can be recalled, replayed. And if you like make one small error, then the, the backlash could be astronomical. I mean, you saw it with Kamala Harris's like presidential nominee, like she, there, one thing came out about her and like she had to like remove herself from the race because she like couldn't recover. Yeah, and I mean, to a certain extent, I think that's true, but I mean, we see with both presidents or the president and the current president and the assumed Democrat nomination that it doesn't really matter. Their history, their history doesn't matter, right? Like mm -hmm. allegations of sexual misconduct by Joe Biden this year got almost zero coverage and it phased nobody. It's true. He literally just was like, I didn't do that. And then people went on with their merry life. Right. And I, the only, the only, my only wish is that we would, that <laughs> there would be equal coverage of both parties by everyone. Like if we could just have an objective media That'd be great. Yeah. Really Enough of like play, pleasing the stakeholders. Like the job of the media was to inform the public. The job of a politician was to be a voice for the public. And we've lost track for all of the voices for the public. They're all skewed and are full of agendas. Everything's an agenda. I think everyone should watch uh, the show Succession. Mm -hmm. There's a character, uh, Shiv Roy. Uh, it's based on like a Rupert Murdoch media conglomerate type billionaire family, billions and billions of dollars, right? And uh, Shiv Roy is in politics, she's a political strategist and whatever. Um, but she leverages the control that her family has on their media company to push politicians to do and say different things. And if they do and say different things, then will do and say different things in the media, right? That happens. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just clear as day. Yeah. So we've talked about this ad nauseum, so we don't have to get into it anymore. It's just, I'm just fed up with media narratives that you just have to, like, remember what the media was talking about three months ago. Remember what they're talking about today, and then look and see how their positions have changed on things that are happening today, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. And it's all, it all shifts based on the cultural shifts of like, well, this is what we have to say now so that we don't get canceled. Or this is, we, we did this and now that this person is doing this and we don't like this person, now we're gonna condemn that even though that's what we celebrated three years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's all, it's all bullshit. It is. All right, something else that could be bullshit. Russia unveiled 
a coronavirus vaccine, Sputnik V. Did you read about this? Uh, I heard about it. I did not read about it. So the gist that I have seen is basically they Putin's like, my daughter took it and like, and they've only been in like phase three of testing, seen semi-positive results. And now they're like trying to go to market with it even before they've tested it on like enough people to have like true results that it's something that's gonna work. Yeah, because there's a lot of money involved. Yep. That's there's the whoever can go to market the fastest is going to be like who can scale production? That's yep. it. So, I mean, all the people who, uh, look, I'm as big a fan as cons- of conspiracy theories as you'll probably find. I find them highly entertaining. It's a, it's a form of, it's a, of it it's is, pop culture. It is truly a form of entertainment for me. Uh, and anyone who hears me talk about conspiracies, just know that just because I talk about them and I acknowledge that they exist out there does not mean that I believe all of these conspiracy theories. So, mm-hmm. um, but I find it funny, like the, the Bill Gates conspiracy that he's going to, uh, he wants to build the vaccine so that he uh, can microchip everyone with the vaccine. Be like microcomputers in the vaccine. So, you know, they can track you. Meanwhile, the people who are talking about this, like I'll never get a vaccine. They're going to track us or tweeting about it, posting about it on Instagram, wearing an Apple watch. Mm-hmm. Just think a little harder, folks. A little more critically. I think it's, um, yeah. And I wonder if, I'm curious, like, what the anti-vaxxer culture is going to look like around this. The first thing to go to market, like, who's going to line up for it and be like, yes, give it to me. And then there's going to be the people who are like, you have the early adopters, and then you're going to have the people who are just like, absolutely not. I don't want it. Well, I mean, uh, like, it's kind of like the beta test, right? Like, you're going, if if you're putting it out there, right, you're in production, it's production and it's been tested, whatever. But all of this is happening so fast that we don't actually know any sort of long-term side effects of having COVID, getting a COVID vaccine, like, right? Like, we don't know long-term side effects we don't even really know short-term side effects right it's been here for six months so i think like being the first one in the door i'm not gonna be the first one in the door nope i don't think i've gotten a flu shot since it was like required by the school to get a flu shot in high school same i haven't gotten one and i've not had wood like i haven't been sick in a very long time Maybe it's healthy immune system. Maybe it's eating right. Maybe it's exercising. Maybe it's like my eternal optimism. Maybe it's a little bit of all of those things. Maybe. It's just like my like little secret potion. But every year we think it's going to be so bad. And then maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But some of my friends get really sick. Some of them don't. Do you know I mean, COVID, we still see like some long-term people having trouble breathing. Sorry, what? 
I was gonna say, do you know, like how many people do you know that have tested positive for COVID? Uh, that I know of under 10. Yeah, me too. I think it's like three or four for me. Yeah, it might even be under five to be honest. But I also know friends. I have one friend who's um, lost 20 people at least in her church to COVID. Yeah. And like we both live in this in New York, but like well, the reality is like an older demographic, I'm sure. It's an older demographic and it's also a black demographic and not and I'm white. Like there's there are more studies coming out saying that if like for black children and Hispanic children, they're seeing different that it affects children differently depending on their gender or not their gender, their race. And so like, you know, a lot of my um, a lot of my friends who are black are seeing more reported cases in their communities than my friends who are white. Yeah, I've had, so I've had some friends who like, they like traveled and they just like, I traveled, like I'm going to go get a test, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tested positive, but like next to no symptoms, like they were groggy for a day and you know, nothing really. Or they got a false positive. Those have also been happening. Yep. Uh, and then another couple, like some friends who are like super sick, like really shitty, like still can't smell or taste anything. Uh, it's just interesting. Who knows? I had one friend who had no symptoms and she tested positive, but her husband, um, was down for maybe a couple of days, like pretty sick, and he tested negative. Yeah. This is what happens when uh, viruses are made in a lab and shipped out across the world. And this is what happens when you have like six different tests and people don't and are treating them all as equal. And so many of my friends have been like, oh, I'm doing my research. Like these are the most reliable so I can only go to these clinics and the first time I can get in is in four days. Yeah. And some people are showing up to these 24 hour, 48 hour, you know, tests. Get a rapid with The rapid testing that is like proving to be like not as reliable and people are being like, oh, it's all the same. Like we all got it done. It's my results are negative. Well, that doesn't mean you're necessarily negative. And like, you could even not have symptoms. So you're not going to go get tested and you could just be, you could just like not have symptoms. Yep. Just big carrier. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm fairly convinced. I won't say convinced, but um, February, it's over. It's gone. Of 21. Yep. It's gone. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I have other people who floated a theory like that too. And I could totally see it happening. I could totally see it being as gone as fast as it arrived. And there was that psychic from Minneapolis who said that and she's dead she's been dead for like eight years or something she predicted that a virus would hit like there'd be a pandemic and then it would um 
in like 2020 and then it would leave as fast as it came yeah um i mean 2020 is an election year so yeah i think if you just like back to like media narratives right if you look at some place like california uh hospitalizations in california are down 20 percent off peak 20 percent you mm-hmm. still can't have a hair salon open in California. Right? Can't. And the titles you're going to see are California reaches past 500,000 cases or whatever. Right. Like those are the media narratives you're seeing. Right. But in March, it was two weeks to slow the spread, right? Mm-hmm. If we all just go back in time, it was, hey, we got to shut down. We're going to shut down everything for two weeks so that our healthcare system doesn't get overrun, yep. right? And now we have healthcare systems that aren't being overrun and we're still locking down parts of the economy. Yes. Because now it's, well, we gotta lock down until there's a vaccine. Can't do it until there's a vaccine, right? That's been the narrative that has changed. Two weeks to, spread the, to slow the spread. And now it's, nope, can't do anything. If we do anything, cases are going to spike. Can't do it. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with all the schools reopening here in a few weeks. Yeah, are all schools in New York opening? Yes. Okay. We're down to very limited cases. Yeah. And the... There's still a mask mandate for all of us here. I don't know how they're treating like the younger kids, but everyone's going back to school as far as I. Uh, Do you see the people in Georgia who went back to campus to protest going back to campus? No, I didn't. Uh, they did a, they did a, what they called a die in. Oh. I went back to campus and they, they laid on out in the common areas on campus and without said masks with, masks. with masks and they were they were protesting school opening again and That's so they cool. went back to campus and laid six feet apart and were at campus it's like huh yeah that seems legit um, there was that one high school in georgia that made the news because their masks aren't required Yep. And they are, there's it's a school, about 2,000 kids, and because masks aren't required, someone took a picture of one of the two-way hallways, yeah. and it was majorly, like, crowded. And so the kid went home and said, Mom, look at this. And Mom called, and they're like, well, if you don't send your kid, like, he'll be expelled. And so he's like, I have to go. And, like... That feels like ridiculous because the the weird part was that district apparently, and regardless if the expulsion part was true, the district only opened up a x like x amount of spots for the the digital um, learning opportunity, and I think I've read this up last week, but it's like why if you're going to open up a digital learning opportunity, why are you capping? it at all like that feels counterproductive it is counterproductive technology scales human interaction 
Yeah. So, like, like, the education system is fucking broken, right? Like, last week there's people talking about how, like, two plus two equals five because math is racist. And it's like, what, I, I, I can't keep up. No. And so, I mean, it's all just so insane. And they, universities are, do you see 20% of Harvard, um, 20% of students accepted into Harvard this fall have deferred for a year? Wow. 20% of kids who get into Harvard. How many kids that go to like UND are deferring or not going, right? Yeah, that's there's, true. There's no way I would go to college in the fall. No. I know a lot of kids who deferred a year and then they're doing community college online for a year to try to get some libeds out of the way. Yeah, I mean, I'd really, I'd really be thinking about alternate ways of education. Totally. It's just insane. Um, podcast called Business Casual had a college professor from, I think he's from NYU, uh, Scott Galloway. Yeah, he's and, famous. Yeah, super famous in academia. <laughs> um, but uh, he said that he, he didn't want to go back and teach on campus. And I said, that's fine. We'll just, you know, we're going to, normally his classroom is 120 students. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I'm not going back to campus, but uncap my enrollment for my classes. And so he then, they ended up capping his enrollment at 400, 400 students. Wow. So this one dude is teaching 400 students online, right? At a university, which, yeah. I mean, I had classes of 300 kids in college, like, right? You have those, what yeah, are those large lectures? Yeah. yeah lecture biology whatever it's like well, i don't understand why that doesn't scale online right and it's just it should be it should that should happen not only at a college level but that should be happening at a high school level mm-hmm. right? and then if you're a good teacher you should get paid more money for being a good teacher yep. you should be able to move up and make more money for being a good teacher and being in more demand right if you're a good teacher more kids are going to sign up for your class more parents are going to want your, their students to be taught by you. You can scale it digitally. Yeah. And not only can you scale it digitally within your district, but okay, we're making this content. We're doing this digitally. Let's take the best schools in the state, the best teachers in the state, and make it available for everyone. Yeah. Almost like a universal education system. You can do it with low cost at least the cost of scaling is low because you do it. It's you're doing it on zoom. You're building a SaaS platform, right? SaaS platforms right. trade at 10 X multiples because they're infinitely scalable because all they do is take up a little more, little bit more space. Every time someone creates a profile on a server that's in the Amazon river. I think so. Scott was infamous for predicting he's predicted quite a few trends in higher ed and his latest one of them is that these larger corporations are going to partner with like um bigger schools right like mit could partner with google and like harvard could 
partner with Deloitte and like just like big brands partnering with schools and like that being the future of like branded education um, in a way we haven't seen it on like a multiple of levels. The interesting thing part is he cites a lot of schools where he's like, we're going to see these different schools close, these different schools close, these different schools, etc. And one school that he cited was Fordham. He's like Fordham, like the Fordhams of the world will close. And there's things that I agree with, but then I found it rather funny that he cited Fordham as a school that would close. Well, Fordham historically has tracked extremely well in terms of like new enrollments and keeping students um, who are willing to, huh? Fordham's private, right? Yes. Okay. And it's way too expensive and that's something that they're actively addressing, but they can lower costs with the retail market or the uh, housing market. Right. In New York, they'll be able to charge lower costs, lower, lower rents. Things like, you know, like when, right, exactly. It's going to be, they're going to see potentially a, it being cheaper um, than it has been because of the market. But Scott never cites like NYU's closing because people think that NYU, which is where he teaches, he's at Stern, yep. is like these like super safe like schools. But NYU like hasn't met their class in like the last three-ish years. I want to say it's last three years. Because when I was working in enrollment, we would often compare our numbers with like Columbia and Barnard and uh, NYU and a few other competitors and like Pratt in the city. And we would often fare better than they were in terms of their incoming enrollment because NYU is infamous for zero financial aid. Like they just don't give it out. Right. And so he cites that there's going to be these closings, but I do think that, and perhaps he doesn't call it NYU specifically because that's where he works, but there are people like NYU is definitely no safer than any other school. It's going to be the quickest to adapt. And if you could pull like the best professors from the best schools and kind of create a more universal system that could exponentially just scale and like offer like these bigger degrees for people to be certified or doing smaller certifications in certain degree areas, then, then you're building something really powerful and you're totally changing the system. Right. And he talks about like, uh, essentially you have, you should, I'll send you the link to this podcast. I think you'd really... Really like What's it. the name of it again? It's called the podcast is called Business Casual. I think this is one that I have to listen to for my marketing retreat at work. Because was he? Are you talking about the episode that he was just on like this last week? Yeah, yeah. I have to listen to this for work. It's really good. Um, clearly, I'm a nerd. If you if you have to listen to this for work and I'm listening to it for fun, that's. <laughs> um, but uh, just ahead of the game. He talks about that you have essentially the the value, the credentialism that comes with getting a diploma mm -hmm. from like a Harvard and MIT or something like that is actually comes from getting admitted. It doesn't get, you get, if you say I got into Harvard, like that's just as, that has almost as much pull as saying like, I got a degree from Harvard. Yeah. Right. And so 
he's looking at these top like Harvard, MIT, Stanford, Princeton, Stanford, Princeton, Columbia, right? All like these schools that if you look at them through a different lens, you would consider them to be luxury brands. Yeah. And so you'll have the luxury brands that still exist because they have huge endowments and the richest kids will go there. The smartest kids will go there because even if it's expensive, you're still going to get your return out of that because it's that top tier luxury brand, right? It's true. Just getting that, I got accepted to Harvard. You're going to make 200K your first job out of Harvard right? You'll be making $300,000 by the time you're 30. Well, when you invest in, also when you invest in the certain brands, and I'm going to call them brands just to jump off of what you were just talking about, but like when you invest in certain brands for your education, you're not just investing in like the name, you're investing in the network that comes with that. So like going to Harvard or going to whatever, like people like are infamous for hiring people that they went that went to a similar institution that they did because they understand the caliber of student to your point who could get in and then they go like finish. Right. But like the emphasis mostly being like you went there, but it's not that you graduated from there. It's like that you got in and like you finished. Yeah. Or that, you know, it's a form of nepotism. Like, Oh, that's like, that's the homie from whoever's econ class at Harvard. Right. Like, right. He was at Harvard and then he was at Bain and McKinsey and then he was at Facebook. Let's hire him for this startup. Right. Like that's how, that's how that circle works. Um, But I think he's right. It's going to be interesting to see places like UMD and like Eau Claire and Stout and, you know, like these smaller mid-sized schools, honestly, like lower level schools that aren't gonna like, they don't provide the upside that they used to. And so how do we start to, I, I, I think that's a really interesting idea of having big, big companies starting to partner with universities and creating pipelines that way. I think you'll see like that creates a real division of like, cool, if you get a, like Google becomes Harvard, right? And then you can't get in to Google unless you went there, right? And that right. causes issues. Um, and I think it's also an interesting thing to say when you see a lot of these big companies, Apple, Facebook, Tesla, they don't require college degrees to work there. Right. You just have to be good at what you do, right? However you learned it. Exactly. And so how do we rethink credentialism and credential, like a degree doesn't really mean anything right now. Because colleges are so dis so far away from the actual job market and what the job market needs that it's like, all right, cool. You like, that's just, you checked a box, but now we're going to hire you and we have to train you on everything. You also have these people who are finding social media as an outlet and making amazing money as a personality. And they like, why should they go to school when they just bought their first house at 18 and make more money than their parents do? Yeah. When you're, Charlie D'Amelio, when you're 16, you make four and a half million dollars a year fucking dancing on this Chinese app. Like, right. Not going to go to college. You're actually, I bet she's learning more about business than a college student at yeah. 
UMD or at Carlson even is learning, right? I would hire her as like a brand manager for something, like understanding the ins and outs of like what keeps like a brand's image together on certain things. Like, and you know, like these Sorry. Um, but she has like, of course she has like lawyers and like handlers and whatever, but all of these influencer, like it's business is not, it's so there's like so much theory involved in business school, but it's like, it's, you're negotiating, you're looking at contracts, you're saying, Hey, let's try this. And then it's, it's just action and relationships. Mm-hmm. And so these people are like, cool. Like I have and leverage, right. I have this many followers, followers, which we can equate to this much value. We can say, cool. It takes for every thousand impressions i get 15 clicks for every 15 clicks i get five buys whatever right so you can quantify their following and they're learning those things right what's what's the lifetime lifetime value to a brand of a charlie d'amelio follower Mm -hmm. right you will never learn that in a college class no at least i never did and i never even came close to sniffing anything like that on the college campus about let's calculate LTV and you know, like that's just, it's one of the most important things about especially running apps and businesses now on digital ads, which you can speak to better than I can. And not even very well, just kidding. (laughs) But the, to your point though, they will never learn it because the people who are teaching it don't know how it works. And, and they don't have to. No, they don't. It works, right? They have tenure. And so they can teach the same thing they've taught for the last 15 years. And it doesn't matter. Their job's safe. Did you read that article I sent you about the woman who just got tenure at MIT? No, but I, I totally forgot about it. But I have it up on my phone. Okay, so she solved this 50-year-old math equation. Yeah. Let's break this down. She is 29 years old. Okay about to finish her PhD in math. She is an expert in not theory. Now you're going to like dive into this and be like, Oh my God, I need to learn more. I was like reading this and I'm like trying to go slow because I'm like, what the hell? Like you literally talk about knots, like, and I'm like, am I thinking about the same thing? Like, and literally like they're drawing knots and then they like connect the ends and like does do two knots can they like when you pull the string like will they like cancel each other and become like a solid form of just a string and like these just like really interesting theories and like there's all these twists involved and I'm like making this extremely simplified but like basically she was like and then you like splice it I don't even remember what that really means but I just remember that being a term that they flew around and basically, like, is, like, this, so there was, like, this one theory that was put out there, and this one guy who came up with a theory about, like, whether or not this, like, knot was really a splice was, had, like, solved not, like, a knot theory in high school, and was, like, oh, like, no, that's, like, it was just, like, a young, brilliant mind, and it was so cool, because this woman who had gone to school, her undergrad was like maybe at like Dartmouth or something. She was never a standout student. Her professors were like, she was fairly average, 
but she was exceptionally creative in her problem like approach which I think is like something to like definitely think about like you might not think you have like the most like highest IQ but like the approach is just as important as like understanding the theory so she was cited as just like a strong creative mind and like it was the because of her creativity in terms of solving problems that she heard about this theory at a conference on a Tuesday and by Friday she had solved it. Okay. So and she only worked on it in evenings. She's like, I'm not working on it during the day. Like I'll just like work on it at night, like just like a little hobby. And then like in three days she solved it. Uh, so it was, she heard about this nice, this is quote from the article, uh, a nice little math problem at a conference yes. on, the conference is on low dimensional topology and geometry. So mm -hmm. Google that and find out what that means because I have no idea. Um, so a snarl discovered more than half century ago by the legendary mathematician John Horton Conway is a slice of a higher dimensional knot. Sliceness is one of the first natural questions knot theorists ask about knots in higher dimensional spaces. And mathematicians have had been able to answer it for all of the thousands of knots with 12 or fewer crossings except one, the Conway knot, which has 11 crossings. So, yep, I'm, I'm in. So topology is the mathematical study of the properties that are preserved through deformation, twisting, and stretchings of objects. So, ergo, like, it's basically the study of, like, knots. <laughs> and, like, but not, but not, like, ropes. No, not real. Like, 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 not like tying your shoes knots. No, but when they draw out their math problems, they look like those knots. Okay. There's a video in that article where he like draws out the knot and it's like literally looks like a knot, like a classic knot. And he's like talking about how it's twisting and looping and like it can't be what you think it is. Like it's like we're gonna have fun dissecting this because it's like like and like these this study has like alluded to so many like new understandings about like dimensions and space and things like that like the study of topology and not theory have like opened up doors to other things that i like, didn't even realize were like connected uh Wonderful. Okay. I'm going to find, there's this episode of a podcast um, with a guy named Eric Weinstein. Mm -hmm. And Eric Weinstein has put forth this theory called uh, geometric unity. And based on my very limited understanding of physics and just math in general, uh, this is essentially a, like he put forth this theory that would replace or be some sort of addition to um, Einstein's theory of relativity. Huh. And uh, if you ever just like want to feel incredibly dumb or not intelligent, I highly recommend watching him talk about what like geometric unity is. I listened to his lecture. I, I, yeah, mm -hmm. I like, I think like listening implies comprehension. I heard his lecture, like the words oh. in my brain. Um, and so- Did they ricochet? 
there was like there was times when he was talking and I didn't understand a single word in a sentence. That's how I felt reading this article. And just one point of clarification for people, the difference between knots that you see in everyday life and the knots that are in math is that the knots in math don't have two ends. Like their their loop is conjoined. So like the simplest form of a knot in math is a ring, like a circle. Got it. Yeah. So like you can't untie it. It's because the knot is one unit, if that makes sense. And Conway's knot has 11 crossings. Yes. And Conway died of COVID this year. What is a crossing? You're asking the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, she secured tenure at MIT for solving this 50-year-old math problem. Um, well, I hope she and stays sharp. And and the other thing, like maybe okay, does she secure tenure and then like she'll be a researcher and she'll that's try not, the greatest research? Or like see, at first I was like, oh dang! My literally initial reaction to that news when I read that she had been offered tenure was like, and she'll I was like, all that talent, she's going to go into academia, but. I had the same thought, like, she needs, she's going to be active in the field, and, like, with a place like MIT, like, you definitely have to, like, be active in your, like, research and, like, to progress in the field. So she's going to be out there or working with other companies and consulting while also teaching. And just because she's tenure doesn't mean she has a full class load, so. Yeah, super interesting. Um, So fascinating. Yeah, I wish I, I really wish I understood that kind of stuff better. I just like need to take the time to digest because the vernacular around these subjects is so complex that it's like, I don't even have the, I like, like I almost have to, you have to like learn the words and then you can learn the concepts, like how they phrase problems and solutions is not everyday jargon it's it's, like its own it's its own world and it's so layered right like they'll say like they'll say a word and then you'll look at that and then like that what you think is just like a word is actually Mm -hmm. like a whole another complex theory right that they're like so when you apply the thing right and thingamajig is actually some like (laughs) insane math problem that like everyone, apparently everyone in that industry just recognizes like basic stuff. Right. Oh, well, the the thingamajig equals purple seven. So So purple seven was our first clue that this blah, 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 blah. Correct. It's fascinating. This is that we need to like read to like become more complex. Like, this is the stuff that I want to take up with my time, not, oh, my God, did you see what Joe Biden tweeted? Like, I don't care about, like, to your point, like, I don't, I don't want to spend my time on any of that anymore. I'm voting anti-Trump, and I am going to now spend the rest of my days learning about not theory. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to learn about not theory. Well, we can swap knowledge. I have to, we can't become the specialists in the same thing. All right. I'm more interested in looking at like, uh, 
well, I don't, I don't have anything like as specific as not theory right now, but um, I love looking at things like industry adjacent from what I do professionally. Uh, then I can pull in knowledge to solve problems for different areas where I work. I just want to retire. I mean, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if I want to retire. I, I, I say that more so like I would rather just be able to like do whatever I want and not have to worry about like paying my bills. Right. Like I want, I want a career at, like I want to be like a nomad as a career person. Like I want to live in one place, but I want to just be able to like bounce around and like not worry about like monetary things. Yeah, me too. I would love to be like, I'd love to just like have a group chat and be like, Hey, like we got a, we got a jet to the house in Vail this week. And if anyone's around, you want to, you know, spend the week in Vail, just come on. Yeah. I'm on my way back from Singapore, but I'll stop there first. Just, you know, we got the, the, the helipads all cleared off so you can just go right from the airport helipad in and be great in and out really easy. Super great. Super great. Uh, things. At least we'll appreciate us talking about rich and expensive lifestyles. Watch Elise, watch It is the epitome of just like obscene wealth. Yes. They have, I found some of the properties that they like have filmed in. I found Sotheby's real estate. And so in season two, one of the properties that they film at is uh, their Hamptons house. And it's $155 million property in the Hamptons. That sounds amazing. And it's honestly, it's not even that cool. That's what I found. I, I like to look at like super high in real estate. It's just, I find it fascinating. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's you're a- paying for like yeah, what? ridiculous like i can't i can't comprehend being like oh yeah 25 million sure that's um also like that's why i like watching like house hunters because all of a sudden i'll be like looking i'm like oh for 700 dollars a month i could get that like beautiful modern like unit in bali yeah for like 700 amazing i said move to bali I was on Zillow and I found a lake house in Minnesota that's like $5 million. Perfect. $5 million. Uh, it's like estimated monthly payment, $21,000. What the? And I was like, <clears throat> like, why? That's crazy. Literally crazy. But also, like, so many of these like super luxurious houses and like, some of them are like, cool, like the house isn't that big, but you, it's, you own 400 acres in the middle of Utah, right? Right. Um, but there's so many of them that are just like, I mean, the house is big and like it's got good bones, but it has to be remodeled. <laughs> like, like Honestly. Specifically for whoever had that much money to build it. Um, but now and then I'm like, I just like, that's not, I'd have to redo Yeah, it. like, does it have good bones? Okay, I guess I'll redo everything else. Like, for 50 million and I'll put 5 million in the renovation and then whatever um my newest fascination is with Burlington Vermont 
it looks like the most sweet angel baby village out of a Hallmark movie. It's the size of Farmington, but on a lake like Duluth. Whoa. It's literally like 35,000 people. And it's like on this huge lake and it's like all mountainy up there. So it's like really hilly. It looks so beautiful. I like need to go like this fall and check it out and like, and then I was looking at homes that are like right on the water and some of them are like total trash. But some of them are like, you can get one house on the water for like $200,000 and you can get another house on the water for about 1.5 million. Obviously I preferred the $1.5 million property, but I'm like, okay, I could still be on the water and I can make this like really shitty house like look really nice. Like, yeah, could I do it? Probably. Yeah. Uh, given the current state of the world, I'm like, even I'm like, you know, I might just move to bumfuck nowhere. And why not? Like, like bumfuck nowhere, Texas. The land is cheap and you can get fucking. 50 acres in the middle of nowhere for a couple hundred grand. I don't know if I do Texas. Sorry, David. But uh, I do understand the people's republic of Texas. <laughs> I do understand the appeal of like kind of just like wanting your own space, especially like living in on top of everyone. Like today I met my neighbor for the first time and we didn't even really we didn't even say hi to each other because of COVID. See, like I would be down to go to New York if New York was the New York of two years ago. Yeah, it's not that. You know, it's just not that at all. Uh, And I mean, like, there's still people rioting and killing people and murdering 37% from June to July in America. And I just kind of want to be in the middle of nowhere where no one can fuck with me. So I get it. I get it. Well, either way. I do, uh, there is one, one thing I want to talk about. A couple of things regarding. Okay. I got to turn on my air, so hopefully it's not too loud. I'm dying. It's hot here. Yeah. I heard it start up, but now it went away. Okay. Go for it. What's your thing? Um, it's okay. Uh, I want to talk about how Facebook just like relentlessly destroys their problems. (laughs) This is like, feels like modern day commentary on like every time Facebook releases like a new platform update that makes it look like everyone hates the new layout and people put up a fight about it and then it becomes normal and people forget about it. Are you talking about Facebook or are you talking about Instagram? More on Instagram. Facebook owns Instagram. I hope everyone who listens to this podcast is, knows that by now. Hopefully they do. Are you talking about the Reels update? About the Reels update? I'm talking about the shop update. They like it's just like you're you're trying to do too much. I'm not gonna buy anything through Instagram. I'm not. On, I would. I'm not on Instagram to shop. I'm not going over to this. This is. <laughs> <laughs> literally picture of Donald Trump <laughs> group chat is number one that's hilarious they, this podcast that I follow photoshopped a Donald Trump executive order that says 
Uh, anyway, uh, like I'm when I'm on one, I just like Instagram is just a habit, and like I don't fucking care about Instagram. It's just a habit at this point. It's just like it's fucking smoking. Oh yeah, yeah. It is literally just like embedded in your mind to just open it up. Yeah. Um, and so, but when I go on Instagram, uh-huh. I scroll through the feed. Yeah. I go through the stories. Yeah. And I fucking leave. And then you come back. And then I come back. Right? Yeah. I, I see like the brands that I follow. They have the products that they have. They have the little product tag in their feed posts. They have swipe ups to their website and their stories. So are you telling me that you've never I do too many things at once. I realized I had left my ranch dressing out. Um, are you telling me that you've never seen a product on Facebook that you didn't like and then you didn't visit a website and maybe purchase it? No. I'm talking about integrating e-com into the Instagram app. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. I think it's so stupid. No, because there's people like you who do exactly like what you did. And it's people like me who need to be cut off from their credit card and are like, oh my God, like that's a cute top, click. Oh, look, I could purchase it right now. Okay, I haven't done it. But if you're looking at influence culture and like people being like, oh, I love that item. Now you just tap with it in your feed or tap on their story and you're able to purchase it in that. That's, that's fine. I'm talking, okay. about, I'm talking about the specific tab for shopping on Instagram. I've never been on that. Exactly. Because you don't go to Instagram, go through your feed, and then be like, oh, like, I wonder what brands are being served to me. It's, it's an advertised tab. Oh, yeah. That just feels like, um, like when you have, like, too many, like, like when you remember when we were kids and we'd have trapper keepers and you knew like math was yellow, yeah. reading was red, science was green. You didn't rely on the tab telling you it was science was green. You just knew that science was green. So like when you passed into green, you were in science. So reality is like you don't need a place to tell you where to shop. Just integrate it into the platform. And if I'm interested in buying it, I will but I don't need it served in its own space. It's, I understand that. That just feels like extra clutter. And it's in addition to the Explore feed. So you have your yeah. Explore feed and you have the Shop feed. It feels like it should be one. But if I like, to your point, like influencer culture, right? Like if I see whoever post something and I'm inclined to buy that thing. Like, cool. Maybe I'll click through it there. Maybe I'll see the brand and then go to their website, whatever. Right. Right. But I don't, I don't see this like, Hey, I'm going to go to this shopping explore feed and just like, see if there's anything that I want to buy. Yeah. I'm not looking at Instagram as like a one-stop shop place where I'm going to like find everything I need. Which totally agree with. Which is why I also think Reels should be a separate app. 
No, I like Reels integrated. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because I am a purist in the sense that I, so, wait, hold on, let me pause one more second. Because we had our, already had our small miscommunication about shop. Are you talking about Reels being a separate experience to explore? Or are you talking about Reels as a concept overall in the platform? I think Reels, like the creation of the clone of TikTok yeah. would not be a feature of Instagram. Okay. So product. I think it's a little, I think right now it's a little clunky. I'll give you that. But as a purist, I don't use the albums in um, Instagram. I only post one photo in my feed. And I also don't incorporate video. So for me, it's perfect because if I want to include video or certain things that I've done in Reels, then I can include it as a video and then I upload it and it goes into its own little space on my profile. Just, just like Instagram TV? IGTV? Yeah, but I don't use IGTV. Like, you don't upload a video into IGTV. Why, why not? Don't you only use IGTV for live? Or is IG Live different than IGTV? IG Live is different than IGTV. So I've always thought of them as the same thing. So you can, you can convert your live and to be stored into your IGTV, or you can just straight up upload a video to IGTV. Mm. So my contention is that, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but from a marketing perspective, right? Instagram is an ads platform. Yep. They are selling ad space. They're digital billboard. We are the consumers. The feed is a highway. The ads are billboards, right? Yeah. But Brilliant. the cost of accessing your audience keeps going up. The people who choose to follow you, right? Especially as a brand, an influencer, a famous person, your, your organic content is being served to less and less people who follow you. And you have to keep paying more and more money to grow your audience, even though you have a whole organic audience that should be seeing your content that's not because they're trying to throttle your accounts to get you to spend more money. Um, I mean, I feel like it depends on how you're using the content because like we use social a lot for our remarketing. So however we get people to our, our website, we remarket through social, not necessarily to boost organic content. Organic content serves one purpose, but like the boosting or like ads or what we're actually paying for people to see it's because they visit our website and visit a certain product and then we're re-delivering an ad based off of their experience with our brand. Okay. So we're not using it the way you necessarily described, but that doesn't mean other people aren't. Yeah, I, I would assume there's differences in like the way a university or a brand, like Nike uses Instagram very different than like 
Nigel Houston, who's a Nike brand athlete, right? Influencer, whoever an influencer is, right? Because in especially, I would assume it's probably the the scenario that I described is probably more towards influencers because they're posting more organic content versus. Yeah, I mean, for them to protect their brand, they have to spend more money to continue to feel relevant like they're having to compete all the time now that being said because they've been sponsored by so many things there's probably a good deal of money that's been incorporated into their like ad to boost the post to make sure it's seen like like okay, you want that like part of the contract is you give me x amount of dollars to boost the post um right but then doesn't that like i would assume that cuts into brand budget right because then like okay well we're gonna give you less because we have to spend this to boost the post to get the same amount of reach that you used to get on an organic post i mean it just depends on like what the kpi is like is it really about reach or is it about conversions like if they can sell out the entire product because of one ad with one influencer in X amount of hours, then the revenue gained from selling up a product would still be more than- Still worth it. Yeah. So, and I totally agree. But what I'm saying is where now, you used to be able to do that organic with an organic post and just like, before you even, even had to have hashtag ad, right? Right. Someone with 2 million followers could be like, blah 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 this top from this brand hashtag fashion nova yeah and it's organic and it still sells out now you try to do that post and sell out organic you're not going to get as much reach because they're not servicing that content to everyone who follows you this in the same way that they were before because they know that you're going to have to they're going to make more money if you have to boost it to get that same outcome it's true one of my like random posts that i had that was like i've never boosted a post on my page like randomly like but i have like the pro account for instagram right where you can like see like your business insights and it it my uh photo reached twenty thousand people that's crazy i have never had a photo go, like that much of a following and like it became my most like pro photo on my profile that's not even a good photo. Like, I mean, it's a cute photo, but like, I'm like, I was so surprised. I was like, I never imagined like, I don't know, just like sometimes you never understand like really like when organic now, when it does work for you, understanding how or when or what a part of that content was like the thing that worked for you is like the kind of hilarious part because no one understands how that works anymore. Like the thing that was like the first, to your point, like all you had to do was post it and then it would get to all these people and then it would yield X results. Now, if organic does extremely well with no boosted, it's this anomaly of like, why did that happen? Right. To recreate that is almost impossible. Right. And so my point with reels is that it's, there's, they're fracturing the attention inside of their app. Right. There's people who just go through stories and don't even look at feed, right? Yeah. Some look, at, look at the stories. Some people are going to look at the feed. Some people are going to go and just look at reels and that's it. 
right? Yeah. So fracturing the attention that these profiles can garner inside your own platform. You're fracturing or are you expanding your reach because people come to it for different things? So maybe their hope is that those who are so reliant on TikTok, even though unfortunately um, the experience is very different. So people are probably like, whether or not they're going to convert. Um, different. The way the content is completely different, right? Yeah. Talking. Or like just the way, yeah, like your even your algorithm of like what's trending, like just like the overall app experience is so different. I think it's interest based versus likes based. So um, Instagram is likes based, so it shows you things based on the things that you like, whereas uh, TikTok has show would show you things based on like what you spend the most time interacting with. Yep, I believe. And that. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think we're like. I feel like we're like 20 days out from like whether or not TikTok will be banned, like because there's been no resolution over that, right? Yeah, I think it's it's gone, right? Because in order for that to happen, not only like not only do they have to reach a deal, like the companies have to reach a deal, but China has to be like, yep, okay, sell it. Yeah. Which I just there's just it's not gonna happen. No. Nope. So that'd be crazy. So better start watching for the next 20 days yeah so i, don't know, I think uh i don't think i don't think reels is going to be super successful to me what i've seen i've never been on tiktok before in my life i've seen like people send me tiktok videos and i've seen them but i've never been on the platform of okay. like rolling through tiktok and reels to me feels like i'm watching highly produced stories yeah which i feel like is all tiktok was but i'm already seeing the trends from tiktok move into instagram reels fairly yep. seamlessly so that'll be interesting but i don't think there's there's not the there's a certain community that people appreciate the video production of tiktok yep. that's now cluttered by all the other things you can do Instagram like right like Instagram to your point it's 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 becoming more than just like a photo sharing app it's becoming this like digital community and yeah they have to really decide like what they want what's the objective of the app because there's so many heads to it that it's like almost becoming wildly like a one-stop shop right. but like even though Instagram took stories and everyone thought Snapchat was dead. Like Gen Z repurposed Gen Snap as something like as their texting tool. Right. And it didn't hurt Apple because it does, they're not relying on you texting through their text app. Right. So who knows what the future holds just because Instagram adopts like a similar technology doesn't mean that someone won't come out with a better app that still does what TikTok did, but it'll be US based. Most Triller is the only one that's like trying right now. Right. So, um, I think it'd be more interesting to see, like, right, replace the new shop tab with reels. Like that makes more sense. Yeah. Give me like, options to sort my content. Yeah. Right. Versus like, here's your feed and stories. Then there's explore. 
and then there's shop and then there's my profile, right? Like give me, give me um, feed. I think feed stands alone. And then you do like stories and reels because they seem very similar. Yeah. Um, and then I guess you probably would, I wouldn't pull, I wouldn't pull stories away from feed and it just, it pairs too well together. So stories and feed reels explore my profile. Totally. That's what I would do. I don't work at Instagram. They have thousands of people that do the job that I do every day. Uh, and so, you know, they probably tested it and probably tested better to do it but that's my yeah opinion. i know that there's always there's multiple versions of instagram constantly floating around that they're always testing because they need to like before they launch anything it's not like one version all the time there's like 15 and that might be too many but there's so many different versions always happening that they're testing internally before launch so who knows what other tricks they have up their sleeve but i do know that they are one of the best in terms of being the most nimble to adapt a new technology quickly and for better or for worse, like that's why they're a market leader. So. Yeah, I think, I think it would behoove them to spin another app out like reels on it as its own thing, because they're killing Instagram the way that they killed Facebook. Facebook is a platform for branded content. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, Facebook had, yeah, it'll be really, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Because there's, they can't, they're, you can't envision that they're only to, their success is only these like couple of apps, right? Like WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, and then um, Oculus. Yeah. Like yeah. there's more, there's more to be. There's more, I think, and also, like, I don't know, like, it'll be interesting. Will the, will the audience on, that's consuming the media prefer a one-stop shop, or do they want it separated? Kind of just like what you said, so. Yeah. Plenty of, uh, the beauty of tech, right? Always changing. Yeah, right, and, like, to your point of, like, it's uh, becoming a community, right? But I think there's mm -hmm. forming around those individual feature sets. Yeah. It, it's not like, I don't know, like, I don't know. I've never looked at like a TikToker's Instagram page. So I don't know what their like in feed looks like. But yeah, it's the same. It looks like an Instagram profile with video. Right. But they're posting TikTok videos on Instagram. People post, people will, the interesting thing though was people were recording things on Instagram and uploading them to TikTok. Like people were using Instagram filters and then uploading them into TikTok because TikTok filters are complex when they just have like all these random icons and you don't know what any of them do. And so you just like randomly click around until you find one that's like suitable. But other than that, like who knows, like maybe the next thing for Instagram is something like, you post a foodie culture and now you can click on it and order it from Grubhub or Seamless, right? Like those are like other things that like if they continue down this road, like those are natural next steps for them. Yeah. If I follow a restaurant, 
they post they have a dinner special. I tap, I say, cool, order, send it to me. Yeah. Yeah, super interesting. I don't know. I, I but think if that, if this becomes the case, I would, to your point, I would like to be more in control of like what I'm seeing. Like, I don't want, like, I understand Instagram will suggest different accounts for you. But like, I feel like oftentimes, like if I like too many of one thing, my feed starts to skew one way and I don't all, I don't want it that way. Like I'm almost having to like retailer the accounts that I'm liking because the algorithm picks up on things that I'm not like, I don't care about seeing some of these other things on my explore page. And I'm not always even on my explore page that much, but like if I want like certain, I don't know, save certain things, like who knows? There's opportunity for sure. But yeah. like, is it best in one place or in multiple places? Who knows? I feel like I'm close to just like deleting all my social medias. Yeah. Except for like LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. That's, I just like, I don't, I don't get any value out of these platforms anymore. It's literally like, like I said, it's like fucking smoking. It's just, it's, yeah, addiction. And I don't, I don't see the value in it anymore. Well, there's nothing wrong with taking a break and then deciding if you want to come back, you come back. Maybe, maybe I'll do a, I'll do a month of no socials. A cleanse. Maybe November will be uh, no socials. November. No socials, no number. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I feel like it might be a good thing or like I'll miss out on like, oh, hey, these four cities don't exist anymore because of riots. But you'll never know because you don't have the socials. Yeah, but I feel like that'd be a good thing to know. Like, hey, like your apartment building is on fire. <laughs> Cannot. Well, I think that covers everything this week. That was a that was a that's a good episode. It was fun. That was good. That was fun. I think I I think we should do more uh digital marketing technology talk. I'm down. It's fun. Yeah, every Thursday I present to my senior management about new opportunities and performance, so I'll just bring over some new learnings that I brought that week. Interesting. Yeah. What types of, like new opportunities in for like areas of growth or what? Mm. It just like depends on the week. It's not always a topic, but like, you know, like we had one week, um, like I had presented on reels, like we had found out that like, we found some new data on an audience that was adapt that was buying a product of ours. And so like some new ways that we could scale our reach at those, um, like some people that were buying a product were like looking to add it to their CV as a professional development, which isn't something we had originally thought would be, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, a trade of the audience. And right. so we hadn't tapped like LinkedIn as like a group that we would be, promoting the product to but so now we're going to launch like a linkedin strategy for to promote that specific product because why not because the group that's doing it is a lot of people who are like 
well into their career and just looking to complete it on weekends and nights. So things like that. Um, okay, we're gonna end this, but don't hang up. I have a, I wanna, I have a question about education demographics and a couple ideas that I have that I'm not going to share with the world. Okay, bye podcast. Maybe we'll do a Patreon where we talk about more uh, more detailed stuff. And that's how we'll generate. Yeah, we're not going to make our podcast one-stop shop. <laughs> Walled Gardens. All right. Peace. Bye.